my father died when I was four years of age from gangrene of his foot. You know, that's just the death of the tissues. And in the city where I'm from, called Tabriz, is in northwest of Iran. We didn't have a surgeon and we didn't have money to take him to Tehran to have surgery done. So we cried with him for six months before he died. And ever since I remember, my mother said, you're going to become a doctor. Fortunately, I was a just great student and I just excelled in sciences, in math, chemistry, physics. And those days we had a great relation with America. A lot of graduates of medical school used to come to America. So I came to the United States in 1966 to Philadelphia. I was in a community hospital called Albert Einstein Medical Center. I did not want to go to medicine to do typical work that doctors do. I like to do things that helps millions of people. And the first thing that caught my eyes in a hospital called Einstein was the use of radioactive agents to help patients, you know, with the specialty that's called non-nuclear medicine. I said to myself, this is exactly what I came to medicine to do. I just want to get into the specialty of imaging using radioactive agents to help people all over the world. My name is Abbas Alavi. I'm a professor of radiology and neurology at the Hospital of the University of Pennsylvania School of Medicine. Dr. Abbas Alavi was born in 1938. That makes him 83 years old. He has been a doctor for six decades. And over that time, he says, he's worked seven days a week his entire career. He loves what he does and will never retire. The reason that I don't want to retire is that there's so much work needs to be done. When Dr. Alavi says he's a professor of radiology, it's another way of saying he works in nuclear medicine. In fact, he's a pioneer. In the 1970s, Dr. Alavi was part of a team of doctors who developed a technology that may have benefited you or someone you love. It's called the PET scan. Here's how it works. You swallow or are injected with a tracer. The tracer is slightly radioactive, which means a scanner can watch it move through your body. If you use the right sort of tracer, it will concentrate in certain kinds of tissues, the brain, the liver, and this is the important part, tissues where there is cancer. Dr. Alavi was part of the group who figured out how to do this. Two million of these PET scans are performed every year in the U.S. to diagnose and assess cancer treatments. It's basically routine essential care for people living with cancer. This same technology that has the potential to create so much human suffering is also used to alleviate it. This is really what life is all about, making the human being happy, not suffering. I'm Jeffrey Lewis, and you're listening to The Deal. If you're just finding us, season one tells the story of the Iran nuclear deal. 
You don't have to listen to season one to follow season two, but it helps. Now we're bringing our story into the present, exploring President Joe Biden's options when it comes to Iran and its nuclear program. There are thousands of nuclear weapons around the world, just sitting, waiting to unleash their destructive power in a moment's notice. In the United States, this destructive power is put at the fingertip of just one person, the president, with no second vote required. Eight other countries have also put nuclear weapons at the fingertips of their leaders. Russia, Britain, France, China, Israel, India, Pakistan, and even North Korea. For the first time in human history, we have the power to choose extinction. And we've entrusted that choice to just a handful of people and placed it all at the touch of a proverbial button. Why do we do this? That's what fascinated Roger Fisher, who you heard from last episode. I'll tell you why. Because we like it that way. We love a confrontational approach to conflict. It is fun. And that's why he suggested, with his tongue firmly in his cheek, that the president be required to kill just one person with his own hands before killing millions with the push of a button. It's easy to see why people would say this is all some kind of mistake, that we wish this technology was never invented. But there is a flip side. Like most things, nuclear technology is not all bad. And I don't just mean nuclear power. This technology that can be used to kill millions can also be used to save just as many. And my producers insist this bears repeating. So in this episode, we're doing something a bit different. We're going to spend some time with someone who used this technology for something other than bombs, like something good. That's why we spoke to Dr. Abbas Alavi. The activity was introduced by a lady named... Madame Curie in early 20th century. And of course, an atomic bomb was a very unfortunate consequence of using radioactivity, but using peacefully in medicine was relatively minimal until the 60s and 70s. Fortunately, I just got into it in the early phases of it, PET imaging, has been my main focus, and I was the first one to do the human study with this technology. When I started, it was very primitive. Now we can make the diagnosis of cancer that cannot be detected by any other means. We do a lot of patients who are suspected of having lung cancer, a very serious and common cancer. You get lesions that you see on conventional radiology. These are very common. People do chest x-ray and you see a nodule. Like you see a little spot in the lungs. Before we invented this technology, every one of these patients will go to surgery, mutilating surgery. They will take the patient to the operating room 
spend two, three hours, take this little lesion in the lungs, put it under microscope, and 50% or more of the time, it turns out that this lesion is totally innocent tissue. So we have eliminated millions of patients from going to surgery by doing PET scan, because if you have cancer, the lesion lights up very significantly. So we know this is an active disease. If it is not cancer, you're going to see nothing on PET scan. So we will tell those patients who have nothing on their PET scan, go and have a glass of wine. You don't have cancer. But also use of radioactive agents is very, very important for treatment of cancer. If the drug is working, we see on PET scan evidence for it and continue giving the drug. If it's not working, we switch to something else. We are eliminating and minimizing human suffering. Depriving any country, any society from receiving radioactive agents is immoral as far as I'm concerned. And seeing that the country of my birth suffering because we have deprived the country from access to this technology, that is really very, very unfortunate and disturbing. And, and I'd like to just see every effort made so that 80 million people in the country are not suffering because of political issues, because this has nothing to do with politics. We are talking about patient care. They need all the benefits of modern sciences so that they can live a better life. If you've been listening to the news lately, you might have heard something like this. Iran has begun production of uranium metal-based fuel, which can be used to construct a nuclear weapon. Iran has taken a series of steps away from the nuclear deal to protest the fact that Donald Trump pulled out of it and reimposed sanctions. And one of those steps that's making everyone nervous is producing its own nuclear fuel with uranium metal. The ability to make uranium metal fuel is also the ability to cast the spherical heart of a nuclear bomb. Iran needs the fuel for the nuclear reactor that it uses to produce medical isotopes for imaging and cancer treatment. Like the PET scan, although the specific isotopes are different. Now, it's unusual for nuclear fuel to be uranium metal because of the bomb problem. And you may be wondering, why does Iran use a fuel with a bomb problem? Whose bright idea was that? Well, that bright idea was kind of ours. 
1967, the United States provided Iran, which at the time was a U.S. ally, with the Tehran Research Reactor, just a couple of years after Abbas Alavi graduated medical school and moved to the United States. Actually, our idea was dumber. The original reactor used bomb-grade fuel. It's a long story, but after the Islamic Revolution, the U.S. cut Iran off, and Iran got foreign help to redesign the reactor. It doesn't use bomb-grade fuel anymore, but it does use uranium metal. This experience explains why at least some people in Iran think that instead of relying on the outside world for help in making medical isotopes, Iran should learn to do it itself. It also shows what was so special about the Iran nuclear deal. Because as part of the deal, Iran agreed that it would rely on the outside world to supply the fuel to make medical isotopes. That it would trust us. It was, in a way, a step back from conflict and toward the time when the U.S. would help Iran use nuclear medicine to treat its people, and where young doctors like Abbas Alavi could come to the United States and develop pioneering ways to treat everyone. Nuclear medicine often seems like small potatoes compared to nuclear weapons. But here's the thing. Sure, nuclear weapons could kill millions of people someday. But nuclear medicine already improves the lives of millions of people every year. And it keeps doing it, year after year after year. We just have to find a way together to make sure this technology is used for the good things and not the bad. We just need dedicated people committed to safeguarding the atom. They're called inspectors. Next time on The Deal. The Deal is produced by me, Jeffrey Lewis, along with Aaron Davis, Juliette Luini, and Nikki Stein. Our original score is by Hannes Brown, who also mixes the episodes. Special thanks to Jessica Varnum and the James Martin Center for Nonproliferation Studies, the Middlebury Institute of International Studies at Monterey, and Middlebury College. Subscribe to The Deal on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, you can rate and review the show and listen to season one. I'm Jeffrey Lewis. Thanks for listening.